welcome to Mommy. Miss Mama says bad words. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I, I did it. Good job. Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high-rise or low-rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. Welcome to season four of Mom Jeans. This season is called the Bite Size Education Series, where we give you quick bits of science and psychoeducation to help you in your journey towards body respect. This season, we will be answering your listener questions and interviewing amazing experts to expand your knowledge. So get ready for easily digestible, pun intended, pieces of education in podcast form. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Bite-Sized Education. Woo! We are going to chat this week about the topic, My Kids Don't Eat Veggies. Help! Help me, please. And we're going to get a deeper dive into the division of responsibilities. And drum roll... Okay, we don't have Ellen Satter. We don't. But we do have someone from the Ellen Satter Institute of Education. So, ooh, get ready for this week's second episode because we'll be interviewing them. So, very exciting. All right. So, we are going to dive in to the listener question this week. So, here we go. Dear Mom Jeans, I am writing because my kid refuses to eat their fruits and veggies, and I am going crazy. I am worried that I am creating a person that is not going to be able to eat a salad when they were older, but also am so exhausted and cannot fight with my child anymore. I'm tired of watching my friend's kids chow down on all the fruits and veggies, and my kid is only eating goldfish and chips. Please help. Yours truly, Goldfish Mama. Hmm, Goldfish Mama. I have two picky eaters, so I'm right there with you. So see, even those of us who are quote-unquote experts in this field still fight these own battles at our own tables. So we are so happy to dive into this episode and give you some education, but also just speak to you heart-to-heart from parent-to-parent. Yeah. Parent to parent, here we are. I'm going to do a quick reframe and I'm going to, instead of using picky eater, I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you to use strong preference, right? So my kid has really strong preferences because if we start to attach this label of, oh, my kid's just a picky eater, then guess what? That ultimately can create a more emotional response 
and an identity that they only eat five foods. And that can really mess with their emotional health. Absolutely. And I think what you're talking about, too, is getting to the bottom of what's going on. You know, picky eater feels like it's almost like a behavioral issue or like a choice the child's making, which increases our own personal reactivity. Um, I know for my child, it's more of a sensory aversion because of his sensory processing disorder. So whenever I, I feel frustrated, I reframe it as this child is really feeling like an aversion to this texture or this taste or a change of plans or a change of menu. And so I am able to have more empathy and compassion knowing that this is something that he is trying to process within some of his neurodivergence. Right. And I think with my kid, I mean, Henry's only two and a half, almost three. And so it's still too early to really be able to tell what's going on. And I think... I mean, at that age, they're just averse to anything. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So really, the things that he has strong preferences to are really normal in his developmental stage of life. The one thing I want wanted to point out is if we recognize that kids are exploring, kids have strong preferences, well, so do we, right? We've just had many more years to develop these preferences, and we also have better brain development, so we know better ways of communicating our strong food preferences if they exist, versus a child, their brain is still developing, so the way that they may communicate it may be like, blah! I hate that, or they may throw it, or they really may put up a lot of resistance to exploring new foods. I often use an analogy with parents that let's pretend, and I I have these in my office, so when I was doing in-person sessions, it was more fun, but I pull out my dried crickets, okay? And they're edible, and they actually have nutrition facts on the box. And so I pull them out and I pull out this plate that I keep in the office and I'm turned around so they can't see what I'm doing. And I'm like, I'm designing you the best meal ever. It's fully edible. Here we go. And so I put the crickets on the plate and maybe I put a little flour or whatever, make it look real pretty and then turn around and hand it to them and say, hey, here you go. This is your meal. And you have to try this and eat five bites. Exactly. And the parents' first reaction is like, I'm having a body response. And they're like, oh my God, I can't touch that. And I'm like, this is your child's response when we're adding in a lot of new foods, foods that they've never seen, foods with different textures, strong smells. And their response is initially bleh, right? And so it's really important, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in the Division of Responsibilities, to really be mindful of what you're serving to your child. We're not supporting being a short-order cook, but we also want to validate that it is really normal and developmentally appropriate if your child does not want to eat all these really adventurous foods and or foods that have ever-changing textures. It's a great analogy. Yeah. Another example that I'm going to give you. And so, Rachel, tell me what you think about this. Okay. I'm going to serve you two foods. Okay. The first one are going to be five strawberries, all from the same container, but they're all different shapes, sizes, colors, textures. And then I'm going to serve you five wheat thins. 
What do you notice about those two foods? What are you expecting? The strawberries will be cold and soft and the wheat thins will be warm or room temperature and crunchy. Well, what if the strawberries were left out and they we didn't take them from the fridge? Now what are they going to be? Just different texture. Well, what if what if they're super ripe and they're almost they're like 3 days away from being bad? <laughs> then they'll be very squishy. Uh-huh. <laughs> And what if they, we just bought them from the store? What if we picked them straight from the farm? What if I cut them up and smashed them a little bit? They're, they're more unpredictable. Like you're not, you're not fully sure what yeah, you're exactly. going to get. But guess what? With the wheat thins, they're all going to taste the same. Exactly the same. You cannot change it, right? Yeah. Okay. Same thing with goldfish. Same thing with chips, same thing with food that is coming out of a box that most often our children (laughs) really like. Yeah. Right? So they know what to expect. It's predictable. So if you have a child with strong food preferences that isn't really adventurous, it makes sense that they are going in and choosing the things that they know exactly what it's going to taste like, feel like in their mouth. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. Again, you're looking at not just a willful behavior, but what's underneath this. And there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of processing environment, growing up, becoming aware of different methods of how the world works and fear. A lot of apprehension and fear over the unfamiliar, which we see when we drop kids off at new schools or when we have them try on new clothes or we take them to a new place like we have empathy for the fact that kids feel apprehensive and we have to kind of sit with them and and walk them through the fact that this is a safe space so their brain until their brain processes that safe and that is the same exact like process that they're using when you put a new food in front of them so I guess that kind of begs The question, and I will ask this to you since you are our expert dietitian on this episode. Here I am. Here you are. Strong preference. If your child does have this strong preference and is feeling more apprehensive towards trying new things, but you think that vegetables are very important, should you try sneaking the vegetables in? Should you give them the vitamin supplements? Should you play games to make the food look so fun? The broccoli is a fun little tree. Tell, what what should parents do in order to get the vegetables inside their child without shoving it down their throat? Yeah. So my first instinct is checking your own emotions around it. Like, what's the ultimate fear, right? Are you worried that your child is missing essential vitamins and minerals? What if the answer is yes? Okay. If the answer is yes, then sure, you could offer them a supplement drink, like, One of my favorites for Henry is carnation and stem breakfast. It has vitamins and minerals and he loves it. I also really like it. So it's a double whammy there. It's kills two birds with one stone. There we go. I'm not all for killing birds, but you know what I mean. So if you're really worried about that, then then yes, you can offer a vitamin. You can offer a supplement drink. Um, it, It really... It really isn't going to hurt your child to offer, um, you know, some sort of, you know, bang for their buck vitamin or a supplement. 
And I know for my child who has a sensory processing disorder, one of the hallmarks of that is constipation and echopresis. Yeah. Because that is a sensation having a bowel movement. And so I have found certain vitamin supplements that will help with keeping his system regular so that he doesn't have what ended up being a very traumatic constipation experience. So I know for Mm -hmm. our family, those vitamin supplements were actually very, very important for us. Not necessarily because I was like, get your vegetables in, but because we literally had to keep his system moving. Yeah. And if you ever have questions, you can really consult your child's pediatrician. They know your kid best. Um, as far as, well, maybe not. Maybe they don't know your yeah. kids best. I, they, I they take put, that They back. push way too I many servings, I yeah. think, in yeah. my opinion. But we always want to consult with the doctor or a health professional to really make sure that we are, um, you know, getting a little bit more information. So if it's coming to the vitamin supplements, yes, that's that ultimately is fine. But let's let's then say you're not really worried about the vitamins and minerals of the child, but instead you're worried about the variety. I think we need to recognize that kids' stomachs are small, right? They don't need a massive amount of food and or maybe one day they they ate a massive amount of food, right? Like sometimes Henry will eat literally almost an entire pint of blueberries or like 10 strawberries all at once. And then the next day I put them in front of him and it's like I've poured hot lava on his dish and why would I even serve him this? So I think it's recognizing that your child's stomach is small and that they are listening to their body. So some days they may eat a lot of variety or a lot a larger portion and other days they just may not the other angle is that we're raising children to be balanced eaters when they leave your home so it they may not be developmentally there right now as a toddler as adolescent as a teen but eventually they may get there but if we are sneaking food in or um, changing up the texture because we've hit it in a food item, they're not actually acknowledging and aware of their own experimentation. And so they're not actually building the skill of I can eat fruits and veggies or I can choose whether or not to try this new food you're just technically manipulating the situation because of your own emotions, which, hello, I totally understand. But if we're trying to raise these intuitive, balanced eaters, we really want to put the power and the autonomy in the child and then allow them their own willpower in experimentation to make the choice. Yes, I'm going to try this. Oh, that wasn't good today. Okay, I'm going to try it again tomorrow and again and again and again and again. And sometimes we need to put it in front of them a hundred times. And eventually they may be like, I really like this. And you're like, whoa, what just changed? So really all that being said, the key components are we're, we're looking for the long-term goal. So We're raising these eaters that eventually can leave the house and make these choices for themselves. 
and the second angle is decreasing that power struggle at the meal and following the division of responsibilities, not being a short order cook, and allowing your kid the autonomy to make the choices, which we will dive into in the second episode uh, of this week. Also, as we're recording right now, my little one just came to the glass window and made a little mimicky sign for can I eat can I have a snack he went and pointed to his mouth and I nodded yes and I know he's probably gonna go in and pour himself a heaping bowl of like cookies right now and I'm just gonna let it go a, he- a heaping bowl of cookies I'm sure he- I let my five-year-old go to the kitchen by himself right now who knows what he'll choose <laughs> By sure, for sure, he is not cutting himself broccoli because he should not have a knife alone anyway, nor will he choose that. And that, no, it's going to be okay. I'm totally just, fine. I'm doing yes. my thing and he will do his right now. Yeah. Anywho, yeah. <laughs> I think this kind of brings us back to the concept of healthism, which if listeners, you haven't heard that it's, it's kind of this overarching concept of how like society has kind of constructed these different like moral pieces of what is healthy and then kind of it's got a lot of privilege wrapped up in it. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, I think that some of us have really absorbed this messaging that like healthy is better and there's a superior way of eating and there are superior foods. And so when, you know, we're at playdates and it feels like we're watching our friends' kids like devour these fresh bowls of tomatoes and our kids are like, I don't know, going for the chips. It kind of, I think sometimes we like start having this internal sense of shame of like I am doing something wrong and my kids are doing something wrong and we are not as healthy. And I think if we can take a much much more constructive look at what are a lot of the bigger messaging behind that. Like, is it really that big of a deal in that moment? Are we talking about something that is something we need to talk to maybe an expert about as far as like nutrition balance in our family? Or is it in those moments we're just having this like inappropriate guilt? And that's a term I use in therapy a lot where there's guilt, you've done something wrong, and there's inappropriate guilt. Well, it feels like guilt, but it actually is not guilt. It is it is this sense of there's maybe something going on that I feel wrong about, and yet there's not. So I think that a lot of this kind of, to your point, goes back to parents doing a lot of their own work of like addressing and identifying where their fears are coming from, and then being mindful like how that is playing out on the power struggle on the plate. And so I think you're... You're bringing up a really great point of like we're attaching morality to what we eat and ultimately the two are disconnected. We can still hold different values. We can still be a great person and have a lot of different variety. Your child is not a bad child because they struggle with the best variety around fruits and vegetables. They're going to grow up to be perfectly fine children and hopefully fine adults. I mean, I don't know. I'm not guiding you on parenting here. I'm just guiding you on food. So, um There's that. And I think really this is where if you're noticing some light bulbs going off, then I would recommend really reaching out to a health professional, either a dietitian or a therapist that really can process this further with you because it's a lot of information and we are really just kind of at the tip of the iceberg. The other and closing 
angle that I want to bring up is while you may notice, so I'll bring in kind of a life example where Henry, again, really has strong food preferences. So it's not like he excels in variety and food experimentation. And literally when I am out with pretty much all of my friends, they have very adventurous eaters. And um, I've just come to accept that, right? Like, They have adventurous eaters. My child is not there yet. However, Henry really thrives in different areas. So he is extremely verbal and he's been really verbal since he was super, super young. So I have this very um, kind of ease angle where I know exactly what he's saying, thinking, feeling, because he literally tells me and whereas some of my friends are like I have no idea because my child still does not speak or speaks very limited in limited amounts and so my point in bringing this up is that while your child may struggle in one area they may excel in others and so we shouldn't just really compare from this one angle which is food and say like there has to be something wrong with my kid because they don't want to eat something that literally has all different varieties of textures tastes colors smells it's a lot and it's really intense so Give your kid a break that, you know, it. they may excel in other things and really acknowledging that. I think it brings us back to, we did some episodes last season with Virginia Soul Smith and Sunny Side Up Nutritionist, as well as some posts on our Instagram, just about the fact that we tend to narrow health down to what foods our children are putting in their bodies. And health is very, very broad. So health can be emotional development, health can be language development, health can be sleeping, health can be attachment and separation. Like there are so many different layers to health. So again, this is only one area. So if you can't do your best as a parent to help foster, you know, that physical piece of the dietary intake and components but also realize that your child is developing and growing and defining health in so so many ways all right so we've scratched the surface we have literally scratched the surface providing you bite-sized education make sure to tune in later this week when we interview kira from the ellen satter institute of education where we will be diving a bit deeper into the division of responsibilities and strong preferences and really handing you some quick tips and tools on ways to address strong preferences and cooking and all of that with your child. So, And if it's okay for your ch- child to be holding an entire box of mini muffins while, you're, what's on, <laughs> while you're recording a podcast. Oh my God, I love it. I love this right now. Because right now, I am not doing division of responsibility. He is in full responsibility. He is so we're going to Kira. See? So this is why. Stay tuned for part two. That's a wrap on this episode of the Bite Size Education Series. And we hope this new information provides you with a more critical lens when you hear mainstream diet culture messaging. You can connect with us on social media on Instagram, at MomJeansThePodcast, and feel free to email your own listener questions to MomJeansThePodcast at gmail.com. If you loved the episode, 
please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and recommend the episode to a friend. Sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G and wear the jeans with a J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LaBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.